metabolic code program sounds pretty fascinating. It's really this sort of comprehensive way of bringing everything into one vision of what needs to be identified or what's identified as the biggest area to be focused on. And that's what we're discussing on this episode of the Smart Nutrition Made Simple Show. Welcome to the show where we help you make smart nutrition simple. If you want proven nutrition strategies to help you build a better body and create the energy to show up for your family without overly restrictive and unrealistic dieting, then you're in the right place. Make sure to subscribe and enjoy this episode. Jim, welcome to the Smart Nutrition Made Simple Show. How are you, brother? I'm doing great, man. I can't feel better. Turned 61 about three weeks ago and still tearing it up. So no complaints. Well, you look great, man. And I'd expect nothing less and happy belated birthday. Super big honor having you on the show. I really appreciate it. Um, I've been in this industry a long time and your name has come up over and over and over again. Obviously, you've been in the industry significantly longer than I have. But (laughs) uh, really, I'd like to say to some degree revolutionized the industry. But you know, really just with some of the corporations and, and people and teams and whatnot that you've worked with. Um, I've read your books and, and I'm definitely a big fan and appreciate sort of your perspective on health and fitness and wellness and, and lifestyle and longevity and all of that kind of stuff. So I'm excited to have the opportunity to speak with you just as a nutrition nerd, but also really excited, you know, to have the opportunity to share your knowledge and wisdom with our followers. So Tell me, Jim, what is it that um, is new and exciting in your world that you're working on right now? Oh, I mean, you know, there's always things that are popping up, but, uh, you know, we've made a concerted effort over the last several years to develop our cloud-based analytics program that kind of takes into account uh, the, the symptoms that you have, your biometrics, your wearable data, and then lab data can be added optionally as well. And it renders where someone's metabolism is the most broke. You know, as I worked on people over the years, you know, one of the things that I think happens when I'm teaching is I'm the co-chair at the American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine. So I teach a lot of docs and I do it in a lot of other venues as well with other healthcare professionals. It's where do I start? Well, Mm. if you're going to start with someone, start where they're the most broke, because that way they'll start to feel better quicker. And so the whole purpose of the Metabolic Code platform was to help educate healthcare professionals, as well as consumers of what I call performance health, wanting to live the best health they can, where should I be starting? And, you know, it's pretty straightforward, actually, that, you know, it's, it's one thing if a person has, for example, a blood sugar of 95, and that means they have a 60% risk of being diabetic in the next decade, and they're probably going to be a little catabolic, maybe their endurance and their capacity and their durability is down a little bit. But when their blood sugar is 95, and they also have high insulin, they're complaining of crashing mm-hmm. midday, and their potassium levels are low, and they're you know excessively thirsty, now all of a sudden, a whole bunch of information is just collected around this thought process of dysglycemia and insulin resistance, right? So we create what's called accelerated modeling to take symptoms labs, biometric data, and wearable data to push you towards where people are broken and then to quickly be able to explain it so that it's not so hard. So that's what I'm really uh, working on quite a bit these days. And we've got George Washington's uh, Department of uh, 
uh, bioinformatics. It's looking at the data. It's being incorporated into doctors' practices. I've been using it in professional sport teams for the last um, two years after it got out of beta. So that's really the big, that's the big thing. Other than, you know, writing two more books this year and you know, <laughs> I've got the Pro Football Hall of Fame Performance Health Program we're launching, which is all about uh, kind of empowering communities around these gold jackets, these legends of the game. Sure. And really trying to get that going. But that, you know, that's about all I got going on right now. Is that it? No, that, nothing else. So it sounds like you, you've got your hands full. And it sounds that that metabolic code program sounds pretty fascinating and revolutionary. I'm curious because obviously you're taking a very comprehensive approach to identifying, as you said, the area, the, the biggest area of weakness, something to that right. degree of, of what should be focused on first. And that's I think right. it's easy for you know, health practitioners to really try and um, focus on what their specific uh, specialty is. So if it's a nutritionist, obviously we're, we're working on nutrition. If it's right. a personal trainer, then they're, you know, doing whatever respectively it is that they can do in the gym. You have a functional medicine practitioner and they're running labs. Uh, it sounds to me that it's really this sort of comprehensive way of bringing everything into one one vision of what needs to be identified or what's identified as the biggest uh, area to be focused on. Is that fair? That's exactly right. And so it'll incorporate assigning diet, looking at drug-induced nutrient depletion, looking at drug-induced microbiome disruption. You know, we really don't have any studies even in what happens when people take four drugs at one time or yeah, track sure. how they do. And so that was the whole purpose of this is that there were so many deficiencies and really trying to track the, like a whole person. So the new term, of course, is whole person health, right? That's what the NIH is using. And there, there's just nowhere where we're going. Here's your nutrition. Here's the drugs you're on. Here's how you're exercising. Where's your behaviors at? And what are you feeling? And how do your labs look? And, and that's critical to really start to understand you know, where is a person at? Because, you know, you and I are probably Spartans, right? I mean, typically, if you're a podcast host in this space and me in my space, you tell us what to do and we're going to do it and we're going to ask you sure. for two more things. Sure, sure. But the average person, sometimes they need to be guided through behaviors in a slower or a drip fashion. And, and it, it doesn't work to say to everybody, we're going to drip this into you because you and I as Spartans would be like, Hey, come on. I want to get going with the program. But at the same mm -hmm. time, we have people that get intimidated by too much change at once. So it's really important to start to differentiate that so that you can really start to get results for people. Cause in the end, I can tell you right now, I mean, 38 years, I had the largest clinic in the country doing this work. And when I was in Cincinnati, and then we delivered this to a quarter of a million people at lifetime fitness. So, I mean, I've got a fair amount of data under my belt and I can tell you the number one thing that gets somebody to keep doing things is when they feel better, where they feel yeah. better structurally, biomechanically, less joint pain, less aches, better mobility, or it's a combination of clear head, less stress, better sleep, no bloating, bowel movements are better, gee, my joints don't hurt. Whatever that constellation is, when we move people from that to a better space, it motivates them for change. And I think we lose that sometimes because it's exactly what you said, man. You hit the nail on the head. I've been trained this way. You know, I got the hammer. Everybody's a yeah, nail. Right. And we got it. We got to get outside of that box. 
I'm so glad that you brought that up because I agree 100%. It could not be more about behavior change. And it's all good and well to have the data to say, you know, we see gut dysfunction and we see, uh, you know, dyslipidemia and blood sugar dysregulation and, and, you know, poor detoxification. And so we've got so many people, everyone and their mothers running functional medicine. And, right. and you obviously people want to know what's going on. It's interesting for them to, to be diagnosed in some way, whether it's Western right. medicine or whether it's functional medicine, it's not necessarily like it's that different because then we're going ahead and we're signing all of these supplement protocols. So my, my question around this, because I'm so glad that you brought up behavior change is because this is sort of a comprehensive approach and report uh, that's factoring in all of these, uh, all of these areas, how is it presented in a way and how is the you know, just the general client, right? The average Jane and Joe that has young kids at home and a busy job and they're stressed to the max and just right. trying to eat healthy foods is hard enough, right? So how do we take all of that and we put it into practice with someone like that when they're not someone like you or me, they're not a professional athlete, um, when it does sound, you know, rather comprehensive. Yeah, well, I think once again, I, I, I've always strived, I mean, to, to make, the complex simple because I'm kind of, I, I kind of think of myself as a bricklayer rather than a physicist. Mm. And so I think the first step is, is explaining people to people, where are you broke? And what happens in functional medicine, a lot of times you get given this big bunch of labs and there's all these lines and arrows everywhere. Yeah. And there are a bunch of chemical names and you you're getting little yeah. notes written in squigglies on the paper I know I've got 10,000 <laughs> totally. doctors that are students of mine a year. I got to go through this with them to totally. tell them to stop doing this because the person will leave that event and within two hours, they will start to lose any memory of what you told them. And within 24 hours, they'll only remember 12%. They, they retain 88% or they miss 88% mm. retain 12%. Yes. So you got to make it easy. And so the way we did it to start is we grouped everything into five buckets. Then we gave one word terms to each of the five buckets. So for example, um, adrenal thyroid pancreas, if you're a functional medicine doc, you go, oh, wow, I get it. Glucose and insulin, cortisol, thyroid, cortisol up due to stress, more insulin resistance, higher blood sugar, more fat storage, cortisol up, thyroid hormone down, less metabolism, more fatigue. But if I start saying all that to a person, what do they really want to hear from me? They want to hear, wow, this is the one that's out of balance. And when this is out of balance, you feel You're tired and you have gained weight. And that, that yep. gets them to say, you know what? You're exactly right. I do feel tired and I've gained weight. Are you interested in changing that? So I teach people how to talk to their patients because you'll be surprised how many people don't know how to talk to a to a person, right? And they go, yeah, I really want yeah, to do everything no, I course. can. So let me focus first on balancing what we call the energy triad, right? Because in learning theory, people learn in fives and threes. So we have five triads and three components to each triad. And that, you know, we want to make sure we follow what people have learned before us, which is learning theory. And, mm. uh, and so I can say to that person, okay, what's your sleep like? How do you rate your stress? Uh, can we start with a simple breathing technique, box breathing, three minutes, twice a day? Mm -hmm. Don't give them necessarily overwhelming tasks. Now, oh, you want to go further? 
How about the fitness app that we've that, that we're working with that we can assign to you a 10 minute workout? Are you ready to commit to 10 minutes four days a week? Because I know you and I'll commit to 45 minutes to an hour five days mm-hmm. a week, but they're not they we have to give them in many cases a spoon feed them. And then if we're going to get into behavior modification, because they say, and this is where it gets interesting, because biochemistry, behavior, and biomechanics intersect in your body, right? How do you separate biomechanics from behavior from your chemistry? It's all together. If you're, if you're achy sure. because of poor biomechanics, you're triggering inflammatory cytokines, it's affecting you. So, so my point is, is that many times when people say, oh, I can't stop eating sugar at night. I get five o'clock, man, I, I come home and I, I hug the Lay's potato bag, man. I want mm-hmm. those chips so bad. Well, if I don't give them something to correct their stress response, chances are all the behavior modifications and mantras in the world will not overcome their hedonic urge to cool down their brain by eating a comfort food. So what happens is, is we create this combination of behavior change. What are the core nutrients that will help you to achieve that behavior change? And then what are the core nutrients that will change the symptoms and then create a simple and elegant program that they can implement? And in terms of diet, look, my wife's a dietitian. She led all of our work uh, on creating our diets. We've been providing diets that are, you know, anti-allergen, modified low carb, you know, sure. all, all sorts of iterations. We, I think we created the first low carb uh, vegetarian menu for our platform, Right. Um, you know, how do you do it? You know, and yeah, it's kind of hard to do truthfully, <laughs> but we did it. We did it. Yeah. Uh, so, but the point is, is that um, we have to teach people how to make better choices with food. So we go from simple things like giving them how to reduce your sugar intake on a simple worksheet that they can, they can download to here's your plate and just look at your plate and sure. do a my plate for what I think or our organization thinks is healthy based on our dietitian's years of work. And it varies individual to individual. If you're an APOE 3444, you're, you're going to eat lower sat fat and you need to understand right. that. Um, you know, so there's all those kind of little bit of variations that we work into the theme. Uh, but the point being is, is that you have to start somewhere with some change. And then it's the, it's the provider's responsibility to work with the information we provide and say, where are you ready to change? And mm-hmm. typically where that, that pans out is, is you can get them to take a few supplements. You can get them to try to change your diet. Sometimes they're not ready to do diet and supplements and exercise. So when they're not ready to do that, I just make simple things like, can you get up and move every hour? Get up out of your seat. You know, walk around a little bit. Yeah. Go take a 10 minute walk. Start to commit to movement commit to movement. You don't even have to commit to exercise, commit to moving. Um, and I think, you know, those are the kind of cues that we're teaching, you know, our uh, folks that are implementing this so that they begin to understand that not everybody wants 10 bottles of pills, the functional medicine kind of credo of, you know, 10 bottles of pills, 15 bottles of pills. And if you ever eat sugar again, you're evil and you'll be burned at the stake. We can't have those mm-hmm. attitudes. We have to have people, we have to give people the right yeah, you're going to celebrate on a birthday. How do you do that without, you know, making you feel bad? Because in the end, people don't yeah, want to no, feel bad. That's, 
That's great, man. I, I love hearing that, especially from a, you know, it's, it's really combining the art and the science, which is absolutely necessary. And so you've, you've got the data collection process, you can run the analytics, but doesn't, then you also have the art of implementation and figuring out, you know, from a behavior change, where is the client coming from? What resonates with them? You know, and, and then how can we start making slow, steady, simplistic, strategic, uh, and realistic change in their life, which, which is right. great. Um, now, one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about, because I am uh, almost 42. And so my uh, personal perspective on health and fitness and nutrition and now longevity has started to shift over the years. And, you know, once I hit 40, I started to think more, a lot more about aging and, and longevity and joint health and right all of the years under the squat bar are catching up <laughs> to me and what your approach is to you know longevity how the metabolic code factors in for you know is there some level of, of genetic testing or is it simply a matter of do you guys assess for that in any capacity and what are your sort of general recommendations for people moving forward yeah, it's a great question. So, you know, personally, the, what the metabolic code approach is meant to be is the kind of the Swiss army knife. It's what are the tools? Say you get genetic testing. I'll give you a perfect example. I did my genetics. My genetics, I've got the obesity genes, meaning that mm -hmm. I could just keep gaining weight forever. My brother was 476 pounds at one point. My mother mm -hmm. was obese. My father was a type two diabetic that was obese. If I overeat, if I didn't get into training when I was 13 years old and was mm. committed to it from the time I was 13 to now at 61, still, you know, still at it, I don't know where I'd be. But I know that I have poor detox uh, gene SNPs. My VDR SNPs are off for my glucose and, re and, and glucose regulation. PPAR SNPs are off. So I've got a bad gene profile. Now, I've kind of lived this metabolic code experience of looking at labs, Where's my inflammation markers? Where's my lipids? Where's early signs of metaflammation, metabolic inflammation, kind of the new term in the clinical literature, metaflammation mm -hmm. and inflammaging, right? So I've been doing this for 40 years of, you know, dialing in, keeping the inflammation down, keeping the blood sugar where it needs to be, making sure that my stress hormones aren't spiking. Um, and that's what the metabolic code does, right? It's going to look for things like environmental burden, look for biotoxins, look for leaky gut. Where are you deficient in nutrients? What inflammatory processes are going on? Now, that being said, do your genetic output. I don't need to put that into the code because your genetics are expressing who you are today anyway. I need to look at your lab values today. I'll, I like to look at the genetics, but it doesn't have to go into the algorithm because just because you got a gene snip, it doesn't mean that it's causal, right? It just means that you've got that gene snip. So it's good to have that information and we welcome that. We use a company called 3x4 Genetics. We love their report. And, and uh, then it's about epigenetics. So mm -hmm. as I you know, was telling you, I measured my, my metabolic code stuff regularly. I went and did the true age test. And true age is DNA methylation, right? You're looking at methylation of DNA to find out how well you're blueprinting your future DNA. And it basically shows you a biological age. This was a byproduct of Dr. Mm -hmm. Horvath's work. And so I did that about, I don't know, six months ago. And the, the guy that was doing the, uh, the interpretation said to me, he goes, you know what? 
I never see a guy in the U.S. over the age of 60 who's less than his biological age. How did you do it? Mm -hmm. He goes, because your genes are terrible and now your epigenetics <laughs> are awesome. The metabolic code is the tool to manage the weakness of your genetics, environmental sure. burden, dietary deltas, what kind of drugs have you been on? What kind of uh, challenges? Uh, well, how much do you exercise or not, right? All those factors that kind of funnel into creating who you are, stress, right? Stress is a huge one. Uh, and then you, you're managing that because when you manage that, now your epigenetics or your longevity quotient, basically, you create a healthier health span because you're managing as it as you're moving through your life. I love that you said, when I turned 40, I started thinking of things differently. I did that with each decade. I mean, at one point I had a, you know, close to a 900 pound squat. I mean, I was a, a prolific mm. and intense, you know, I That's qualified insane. for the U S nationals in bodybuilding and did all that kind of stuff. And, and, um, but as I aged, I had to learn that I had to change my focus from just, you know, how much am I going to lift? Remember I'm a hard headed Italian bricklayer, right? How much am I going to lift? Right. To, to right. you know, how many high intensity exercises can I do in a row before I drop out? Uh, yeah. To now, it's for me in my sixth decade, it's making sure my aerobic capacity is there, getting enough lifting in. Don't forget about mobility. It's that thought process. Because I think when people hear the term anti-aging, and look, like I said, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the academic co-chair for the American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine. I, 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 and I've been that for like quite a few years. So I'm around this all the time. We've got to stop thinking about anti-aging like a 60-year-old is 20. Mm -hmm. Let's start thinking about being the best 60 you can be, the best 40 you can be. Because in the end, your age kind of is your age. It's the quality of life that you search for. And that's why we developed the metabolic co-platform. And look, I, I deployed this methodology in thousands and thousands of patients over the years to refine it. And all my grad students, both in medical school, pharmacy school, and the master's in nutrition school that I taught at, all had to do research that validated all these decisions we made in the platform. So it's pretty, mm -hmm. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty awesome, actually. I'm proud of it. So what I'm hearing is that there's no magical pill that can increase my lifespan and health span and quality of life. Rather, it's using all of these components to assess our sort of our underlying health, right? Blood sugar management and stress management and immune system function and gut integrity. And by focusing on all of the little things every single day, progressively getting better day after day, year after year, that is our ticket to improved health and longevity. Well, you hit that nail on the head until today where this magic new pill was just invented. <laughs> right? Exactly. Now what do you Oh, man. No, that makes me uh, nutty. No, that's great, man. It's you absolutely have to look. I try to get people to understand. You don't build a good business by chance. You don't mm. take care of your house. And more people spend more time picking out their next refrigerator or car than they do evaluating their own health. And that has yeah. to stop. You've got to start being your own commander in chief of your body. And I know that means different things for different people. You know, you and I, we want to get after it. And like, you know, we're, we're, we're looking for that longevity and to be able to perform at our best as long as we can. Some people just want to lose a little bit of weight and feel less achy and enjoy their grandkids. Right. I mean, everybody's got a different version 
of that space. But the reality is the more attention you take to your health, the more detail that you want to get into without getting paranoid and not getting neurotic, right? Because we got to we got to stay at peace with us, right? What I try to teach people is that, you know, when you're healthy, when you're not thinking about your health anymore, mm. when you're thinking yeah, about the great. next exercise I'm going to do or the next trip I'm going to take and gee, I'm at my ideal weight and I like the way I look and I'm happy with my skin. And, you know, we got to get people to the absence of it. And also the thought of there's some, you know, neurotic, hyper compound that will inject some peptide that's going to extend our life 50 years when the reality is we've got to give people basic tools and those tools need to be applied consistently across their life so it becomes a lifestyle of wellness a lifestyle of what i call performance health man i like performance health because everybody wants to perform better whether you're a teacher or a player yeah no, I really appreciate that, man. And I, I, the way I always speak to clients about it and is just learning how to become your own best nutrition detective is I can't tell you, you know, how to eat. I and mean, we have these general principles and, and we can use these analytic tools to help you identify areas of weakness, but you still have to take responsibility for your health. You still have to put in the work and you have to learn from, you know, mistakes, learn from how you feel and then start to make manipulations, right? It's the same. It's like you've spent your entire career building out this, this system for how you work with people. And obviously you've thought through all of the nuances and you've learned from, I'm sure, you know, you did things very differently 25 years ago and you learned from your mistakes. It's the same thing, you know, with our own health, but giving people the tools to be able to learn in the right way, I think is the most important component. So when we see all of this sexy social media bullshit around, <laughs> um, man, did you nail that? You know, you said, <laughs> you said, uh, what did you say? Vegetarian, uh, low carb vegetarian. There's keto vegan for Christ's sakes. Like I don't <laughs> yeah. even understand. Oh, you live on, you live on drinking avocado oil. That's all you're allowed. I mean, (laughs) we all know everyone's listening to this knows how much there's just this nonsensical garbage out there and and really just not to get lost into the dogma of any one all encompassing approach because right. Because what happens when you start to get healthier, your metabolism changes, your cells change, your blood sugar response changes your That's genetic right. expressions change and therefore your intake is going to need to change. Your calorie intake is going to need to change your exercise output. And it's, it's this ongoing evolution of, of energy production and energy intake, right. And, and balance that your body's going to adjust to. So there's no, we're never going to be on this sort of one, oh, one path yeah. of here's my calories. Keto works for me or, you know, vegan works for me, your body's going to want different things at different times, right? It, it wants things at different times. And I would argue that um, just because you look pretty on the outside, it doesn't mean you're pretty on the inside, right? So I have people that come to me that are eating ketogenic, that are ApoE 3-4s and they're shredded. And yeah. then they got a bunch of oxidized yeah. LDL, a bunch of apolipoprotein B, they're you know, their deoxyguanosin, which is a marker for damage to your DNA is high. It's like you, it's, it's understand where you're at. Uh, like I, I'm a big believer. If you're going to use ketogenic diets, they should probably be short burst, you know, just because of the impact on the microbiome yeah. that's been reported. 
Um, but it is a way to kind of wake your insulin receptors up short term. If people are on it too long, they tend to yeah. kind of now they don't tolerate carbs at all. And then they blow weight when they get under stress and they start going yeah. back and eating donuts. Cause I don't know anybody that says I need broccoli when they're under stress. They want donuts and cookies and mashed potatoes. <laughs> oh yeah. Chocolate covered pretzels with caramel and salt and bacon wrapped around it. So <laughs> I could not agree with you more that um, that's why I'm so big on people managing their stress. Cause I don't think they understand how much hedonic urge and stress plays a role on their appetite. And you have to remember when you're sympathetically dominant by default, it shuts down your sex hormones. It shuts down your growth hormone. You become more insulin resistant. You, you look for reward, right? You want dopamine. Mm -hmm. And that means not only am I going to go for a cookie, I'm going to eat a second one. And then I'm going to make the rationale that I don't like even numbers. I'm going to have a third one. And then I'm going to think, well, you know what? Half of the rows already gone and I hate half a rose. I'm just going to go get yeah. that whole row done. And there's a lot of people don't even understand what, what the net of that is. They just have low self-esteem because they think they don't have self-control. And what it, what it can be is that there's a need to shift their chemistry and then start to take control. It's not either or, you know, and I think that's the other thing yeah. we try to do is distill things down to the one thing. And that's very allopathic. Right. It's like, you know, take this anti-inflammatory and you'll have no inflammation. Kind of. Right. It's it's so it's that understanding that I think is very still missing. When I explain that to people, I'd have people just throw their hands up like, how come nobody ever told me that's why I'm craving carbs at night? You know, that my mm -hmm. brain is hyper aroused from too much stress during the day. It makes me want to eat at night and then I have trouble sleeping. It's a it's a pandemic. I mean, look, wow. I always say for all the Lululemon pants being sold, right? We got 80%, you know, overweight people, 42% obese and 50% of the population is either insulin resistant or, or diabetic. So we're not getting the message across of how to create a behavior change, change the physiology of someone. So they don't create, they have the ability to create change and then understanding these connectivities of why do you do what you do? It takes you away yeah. from being well, you know, I think it's, and it's not a hard story to tell. We just can't get so scientific that we lose the person. Sure. It's not a hard story to tell. And it's very, I think we're aware, like we hear this, we hear about the stress response. We hear about the cortisol pathways. We understand the sympathetic nervous system to a degree and whatever language you want to use around that gym, but right. The hard part, obviously, is the implementation. The actual implementation really is where the rubber meets the road is, is right. how and where do we prioritize these things? How do we make this a daily habit? How do we tell someone who either consciously or likely subconsciously absolutely hates their job, showing up for their job every single day, that that is the reason why they're still fat, regardless of how low they take their calories? you know, oh, or some yeah. massive contributor to that. It's easy, but it's terribly complex. Well, you know, I, I got to say, and I mean, I, like I said, three to 400 people a week, I ran through my clinic, uh, all doing personalized health. Uh, and then quarter of a million people going through our lifetime fitness program. When, when we can say to someone, I just want you to take theanine, for example, and here's the studies behind theanine, and it's going to take you 
five seconds, three times a day to take this theanine. And it's going to help to take the edge off you so that you can start to make better decisions. That's where I think that intersection between behavior and biochemistry is really, um, it's so closely tied that mm -hmm. we don't need to use drugs because what happens? You know, in, in all traditional culture since the beginning of time, I mean, since the beginning of recorded medical history, you know what the most valuable herb in every culture is? Mm, ashwagandha. Well, if that is an Ayurvedic medicine, but you're right, it is an adaptogen. So in every culture yeah. since the beginning of time, adaptogens were the most revered yeah. herb. Why is that? Because since the beginning of time, we've recognized that stress response is core to the health of a human being. But so, but what do we do in our culture? We're going to let you run and burn out until you need the new adaptogen in the U.S. market, yeah. Xanax or, or, you know, Prozac, right? There's, we don't, we don't right. teach people how to remain resilient. So, you know, we talk a lot about resilient, like when I'm teaching, you know, researchers at, you know, say with the armed forces, we talk about resiliency, capacity, durability, right? Flexibility in your, in, mm -hmm. in your metabolism so that people mm -hmm. are more able to cope with their day in and day out event instead of going through allostatic load, of course, which is which when you get enough stress taken on that your brain starts to change all the signals like, hey, time to gain fat, time to shut off hormones, time to create higher blood sugar. That's what happens when you get under allostatic load. So the key to me is that we help people to kind of reimagine how plant medicine which has been used in all cultures since the beginning of time is not just a prescription for take this pill, like, you know, a drug, but it's a, it's a part of your lifestyle to take in these concentrated, you know, plant yeah. or amino acids or nutraceuticals that could help you. But at the same time, don't give them 30 bo bottles. Sure. 30 bottles means one month compliance. You know, nobody's going to do, if, if do it, man. I mean, they're just not going to do it. I, no. I've learned. I mean, my cancer patients, I can get, I, I can load them up a little more because I'm working on a lot of different, you know, aspects of their chemotherapy or radiation they're on. And I'm trying to spare their white blood cells. And it's a little bit more of a, you know, dramatic focus on diet and nutrients and what we're doing. But for the average person, they're not that motivated, right? Like life isn't in their hand. Totally. And that's where it starts to make a difference for many people. Yeah, I'm not, I mean, I have to admit a lot of my pro athletes that I see, and I see athletes in all five major league sports, plus Olympians, plus race car driving for that matter. So they tend to be very motivated. Like I want to perform at my best. Tell me what I need to do. Yeah. Tell me what I need to eat. Tell me what I need to take. And I'm good to go. Although you've had some people where, you know, I ask them, well, what do you eat before you go to bed at night? Well, I eat sour gummy worms and a piece of red velvet cake. Um, that's where I know I got a little work totally. to do, but, uh, so anyway, that's kind of my thought process. Yeah. I try to get across Pete to people is let's go back to how we used to manage how far we're away from being well. If you want to know the big question, I like to ask people, how far do you think you're away from the best health that you could be? And do yeah, you want to get back question. to that? Right. Do you want to get back to yeah. that? And I think yeah. it's it, because nobody does that. What we do for prevention in the U.S. Hey, you don't have prostate cancer yet. Good. 
That's different. You don't have diabetes yet. Yeah. That's different than you're just pre, but you're good for right now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's the, that's the part that I think is so important for people to understand. And that's what we developed when we set out to develop the metabolic code platform was how far are you away from being well? And that's mm. a way different question and proposition and creates a new language, right? A new language of health, which is all about, you know, endure, you know, capacity and resiliency and endurance and, you know, really how, how am I performing epigenetically? You know, what's going on? Yeah. And I think we need to start talking yeah. about that. Yeah. And what it means for someone to actually feel well, like we don't think about that to know what it would look like to, to be healthier, to feel healthier, to know that they have the tools to live a long and healthy life, to be there for their kids, to lead by example, all of those all of those things that, you know, me as a 40 something year old man, I'm, I'm thinking a lot more about now for, if I'm 20 something, I'll be honest, I don't really give a shit. I want to lift heavy and I want to be lean. And, you know, it is I what it is bars but, on the weekend and hammer down a few drinks, right? That's <laughs> right. That's right. But, you know, as it stands now, it's people like me, people that are listening to this show that are in that bucket, that fall in that bucket, that just want to you know, be healthier, that want to live longer, that want to set great examples for their kids that obviously want to look good with their shirt off too. And that's all possible, sure. but it's not possible if we're not taking account for all of the things that contribute, all of the stressors, right. That contribute to our health, our brain, our gut, our hormones, all of those types of things. And then obviously our day-to-day -day exercise and nutrition. So Jim, I want to Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. I really appreciate the opportunity to speak with you. Before I let you go, where can people find out more about the Metabolic Code? What's that process look like? Yeah, it's pretty easy. They can go to metaboliccode.com. There's an awful lot of, at this point, I think my staff and all the, all the lectures that I've done, if people you know look me up, jimlaval.com or can just go on to the apparently hundreds of recordings of me giving lectures on anti-aging medicine that somehow got out. I have no idea how, but, uh, huh. you know, but jimlavelle.com and metaboliccode.com are the two best ways for folks to kind of get a, a point of contact with me. And, all and my are you currently running? Perfect. And I'll have all of the, for you guys listening, all of the stuff's in the show notes as per, as per usual. So cruise down there, go check out, um, gym stuff, if, if the metabolic code testing interests you. And then I'm curious, are you, is this currently what you're running through? Are you still running this through lifetime fitness? Uh, not now. I mean, we've, we did it for about three and a half years and we're no longer doing that, but we're, uh, yeah, it's interesting how things come back around. I'm talking to the executives there and you know, there's, there's, there's a lot okay. going on. Let's just say that the fitness. Okay, side. but to find a practitioner, to find a practitioner that offers a metabolic code testing, I'm assuming they can find it from the website. Jim, dude, thank you so much. Appreciate everything that uh, you've done, that you're doing, all of the education that I've gleaned from you throughout the years, through all of the respective practitioners and mentors that I've studied from. And uh, keep up the great work, man. Oh, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this content valuable, here are four ways I can help you in your nutrition journey for free. One, grab a free copy of my Fat Loss Fix Guide at fatlossfixguide.com. Two, join my free group at smartnutritionmadesimple.com. Three, subscribe to my YouTube channel at smartnutritionmadesimpletv.com. Four, 
Leave a five-star rating and positive review so that we can gain access to more nutrition experts ready to share their knowledge with you and ultimately help more people make smart nutrition simple.